Medicine does only a little bit. So if I turn on a tap in my clinic and let it run the whole night, it would flood my whole clinic. I probably need to turn off the tap. That turning off of tap for your acne is your diet and your mop is any medication that your dermatologist gives you. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries around the world. Algeria, Pakistan, Paraguay, Australia, and all places in between. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is Episode 9 of Season 5, number 308 overall. Today, we are going to be talking about food and beauty, talking about foods for acne and looking younger, wrinkles, blemishes, basically eating not just to feel your best, but to look your best. And we'll also be talking about alcohol, interestingly answering the question whether drinking can make you more likely to get a wicked sunburn in the summer. We are going to find out when we are joined by Dr. Niyati Sharma. She is a plant-based dermatologist and owner of Inside Out Dermatology, which just so happens to be Australia's first plant-based clinic. She is passionate about it and hasn't been on the exam room for a number of years. And now she's got the clinic open and she's here to answer your questions on the exam room live. But before we open up the doctor's mailbag and get into all things beauty, I do have a quick favor to ask of you. Please hop over to vegnews.com where excitingly, if you haven't heard, the exam room has been nominated for best vegan podcast of the year. And there is a link to cast your ballot right now in the episode notes. This is category number 56 on vegnews.com. You head there, you click on Veggie Awards, scroll on down, find the exam room and cast your ballot. And we would be oh so grateful. But right now, let's get beautiful. A Q&A about how what you eat affects how you look with Dr. Niyati Sharma. Dr. Sharma, it is so good to see you again. Thank you, Chuck. It's been a while since I've um, we've kept caught up last time. So you are currently in Australia, obviously. Where uh-huh. is your clinic located? It's in Melbourne, Australia, so in the southern state. Now, here is the deal, Doc. Um, when you were last on the show, uh, we had a lot of fun talking about how your food can really affect the way that you look. So I want to continue that discussion today because we get so many questions from people who ask about this. And I think it's kind of especially timely with uh, timely with this being award season here in the U.S. And you're going to see a lot of stars with the glitz and the glamour. And what do they know that the average person doesn't to look that way? So maybe a lot of that has to do with diet. Let's find out. Uh, the first question today is going to come to us from Jane. And Jane's question is quite simple. Uh, what foods cause acne? So um, a lot of researchers have been presented in the past about the issues of dairy and acne and, oh, it's only skin milk that causes, the skinny milk that causes acne because, um, but not the rest of the, uh, the dairy. Um, for me, I think that it's important to dive a bit deeper and look at the molecular reason why dairy causes acne. So that's one component. And then the other two components are really eating a high glycemic index food. So eating a lot of sugary foods, 
uh, or drinks, and then having a lot of fat in the diet. Now, often when I explain dietary changes or lifestyle management changes to patients, I explain that, you know, medicine does only a little bit. So if I turn on a tap in my clinic and let it run the whole night, it would flood my whole clinic. So when I come back the next day and I only use a mop to mop down the floor, that's probably not the best option. I probably need to turn off the tap. That turning off of tap for your acne is your diet and your mop is any medication that your dermatologist gives you. So um, it's really important to, to look into what you're, what you're eating um, and then make small changes. So often it's hard to make a, a full-blown change in one go. It's uh, looking at trying to make smaller changes and replacing some of your items that consume a lot, that have a lot of dairy in them to non-dairy items. Now, the reason why dairy causes acne is, is a number of reasons, and we've talked about that in the last show um, that I did with you, Chuck, um, but mainly the secretion of um, IGF-1 and insulin resistance from the components of dairy. So dairy has casein and whey, and they trigger the increased response to IGF-1 and insulin resistance. And both of these components actually down the track increase the androgens these are your hormones that are released from um, a gland called the adrenal gland and they get released even more than usual and as a result they increase the growth of the glands that cause acne as well as uh, promoting more acne so often patients of mine will say oh i've noticed a really good improvement in my acne after going off whey protein supplements or protein bars um, Cutting out dairy, of course, is the most ideal thing. Um, but it's not just the um, basic dairy. So it's not just milk, cheese, yogurt, ice cream. It's actually looking at the ingredients of things that you're eating. So it's the powdered form. Is it Does your product contain whey protein, casein, or uh, milk solids? And if they do, it's a good idea to try and cut them out. This is the most simplest way to help improve your acne. I've been a sufferer of acne myself and, you know, quite frustrated with the, the treatment side of it. And often the acne would return and that's where I got sort of, I um, started looking into um, nutrition. And then when I turned plant-based, you wouldn't believe it, but actually my acne disappeared in two weeks. And I thought this, this can't be more than coincidence. There has to be some science behind it. So um, it's really important. Now, most of the dairy containing items have a high level of sugar and fat. So you're often targeting all the three things in your diet by just taking out dairy. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you, though, that to that last point, there's this belief um, here. I don't know if you want to call it an old, uh, old wives tale that chocolate can cause acne, but is it really the cacao, the, the chocolate itself, or is it, as you're saying, it's the dairy, the sugar, the fat that is combined with the chocolate? Exactly. And look, even if you were eating dark chocolate with no dairy in it, often that actually has a lot less sugar in it, even though they might have cacao butter, which is the fat component. That's been shown not to be as acne promoting as if it, you're eating milk chocolate. And as we know, you and I, Chuck, that that's not really real chocolate. So try and, and change it to dark chocolate. I'm not telling you to stop eating chocolate. It's about swapping it for other non-dairy items. 
So if somebody adopts that plant-based diet and they make a shake, like my favorite uh, shake, dessert shake is like bananas, a little bit of kale in there, some other fruit, uh, and then you throw in some cacao and some plant milk on that, that has next to no acne risk basically, but you're still getting your chocolate fix. Would I be correct in that? 100%. So if you're my patient, I will always give you a smoothie recipe that contains almost all those ingredients. So, and I always explain to patients why you need those ingredients. So you, you mentioned kale. Kale is a really good source of calcium for your bones. And it's really important to have that. You can put lots of bananas, which has a lot of um, potassium and other micronutrients and fiber. Um, I usually ask my patients to put a lot of berries in for antioxidants and polyphenols, and then some form of omega-3 in the form of flax seeds or chia seeds. And then for my female patients, I always encourage them to, to put some dates in because they give you a natural um, high source of iron in your, in your diet. And then basically you blitz it up with a couple of almonds or uh, other nuts that you might have because nuts contain naturally different amounts of magnesium, selenium, and zinc, which are which help to heal your skin. So if you combine all those things in a smoothie and have it, that's a really good concoction to help with your acne. And uh, in that, with all those fruits, all those vegetables, there's also going to be some vitamin C in there. And Michelle sent this one in. And I actually also know that vitamin C is a very big talker in the skin health community. So Michelle's question is, what are the benefits of vitamin C when it comes to having healthy skin? So if we look at um, the opposite question, so what happens when you are lacking vitamin C, you end up getting a condition called scurvy, where you increase the risk of gum bleeding, bleeding from the skin, and quite severe skin rash and diarrhea. So it's important to maintain a, a normal level of vitamin C in your, in your blood, which is by eating a lot of um, carrots and oranges and, and fruits and vegetables that with other high levels of vitamin C. But if you're talking about putting it on your skin, the, the research and the science is showing some good benefits. So it is increasing the, um, you know, when I looked at the research um, on topical vitamin C, uh, it does show that your skin illuminates better. There's some better hydration, a better um uh, levels of collagen, but these are very minute levels. And often I'm always weary about topical preparation compared to oral uh, ingestion of these um, vitamins. So I, I always prefer that you eat those things rather than put it on your face. See, now that is the perfect segue to the next question, which comes to us from Robin. And honestly, I laughed when this one came across my desk. Robin's question is, Will cucumbers do more for your skin if you eat them or you place them under your eyes? What do you think, Chuck? <laughs> oh, it's got to be under the eyes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, cucumbers have a great form of a source of hydration. So one of the things that I learned through my journey was that, you know, we there's such a hype about the number of glasses of water you need to drink a day. But sometimes that's really hard, especially with us um, physicians who are now having to wear N95s and our full PPE when we see patients, we don't often get time to hydrate as much as we'd like to. But you can actually eat certain things in your diet that have a high level of hydration water content that contributes to the total number of um, glasses of water that you can drink throughout the day. So that includes cucumbers, watermelon, oranges. So 
add them to that list um, rather than be worried about the number of glasses of water you need to drink. Fair enough. Uh, let's take a question here from Carla. Carla is wondering whether sleep, diet, or hydration, which you were just talking about, is most important when it comes to having healthy skin. I think all of them, actually. I, I <laughs> But I would add one more thing, which is sunscreen. Um, so it's really important to sleep well, um, and that can be quite difficult in the modern world with lots of uh, external stimuli. We often have our phones next to us. We flick onto Instagram at nighttime and then um, it disrupts our circadian rhythm. So, um, but out of all of them, I think diet hydration is more important. Um, you could have, you know, there are a lot of young mums that have issues with sleeping if they've got young babies. Um, but if you're eating healthy, so eating a high diet, a diet high in antioxidants, that's the most important thing. So um, having lots of berries in your diet, flax seeds, which can contribute to omega-3, um, and uh, a variety of fruits and vegetables. So really, you know, eating the rainbow on your plate is what's really important because then you get all the nutrients your body needs, including all the necessary vitamins that, requ that you require to have a healthy skin, hair, and nails. So, um, but I would add to that, sunscreen. Kind of along those same lines, let's take a question here from Carrie who wants to know, what can I eat to look less tired? Maybe sleep factors into this one as well. I would assume so. I think that's a really hard question because we don't know what Carrie does on on day-to-day -day basis. Um, but look, I think I'm presuming when you look tired, you're probably having more fine lines that are showing up. Um, and so I think that uh, and we talked about this on our last um, session as well, which was sugar. So sugar increases your wrinkle rates of forming wrinkles. And this is not fruit sugar. This is processed sugar. Because what processed sugar does is it causes these um, advanced glycation end products in the skin. So they basically um, bind to all the collagen and elastin in, your, in the epidermis and dermis and makes them a bit more rigid over time. So it increases the rate of aging. So if you can, trying to cut down processed sugar and adding more fruit sugars is more beneficial. Fruit sugar is delicious. People sleep on transitioning off of processed sugar over to fruit. Um, and I'm telling you, it's so good. Maybe, maybe it's going to take you a little bit of a week or two to get your mind wrapped around that. But once you make that transition and you start discovering, you know, the fruits that you really, really, really like, and that a banana can be as sweet as any candy bar out there, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, here's an interesting question from Aaron. And when Aaron, I, I will preface this by saying Aaron also sent a, a link to an article that proclaimed that a woman was able to look like 20 years younger just by drinking two gallons of water per day. So I'm not quite sure whether this was a real article or not. Neither was Aaron for that matter, but she's like with this article, silly question, she says, but can you get rid of wrinkles without surgery? Oh, and this is, uh, <laughs> I, I once had a lady who was, uh, bless her soul, was 70 years old, full of wrinkles and wanted me to uh, help her out. And I said, look, this is probably too far gone. You probably should have come a long time ago. Um, but if you're young um, and haven't got any resting wrinkles or so wrinkles on without moving that part of the face, um, 
Look, I think that it's it's a difficult one. I think that the only way you can prevent wrinkles is by wearing a good, um, decent amount of sunscreen. And when I talk about sunscreen, it should be approved by FDA or in Australia, it's approved strictly by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. Um, and even if it's a water resistant sunscreen, you must reapply every two hours if you're outside and you're sweating. So if you're in the pool, if you're running, um, if you're doing any sort of activities and you form a sweat, it is important, even though that sunscreen might claim it's water resistant for four hours, you need to reapply. And a lot of people, especially people of skin of color like myself, um, often ask, well, what's the point of putting sunscreen? I don't get sunburn. And I think that that's where this question is so relevant because you need to wear sunscreen to prevent the formation of wrinkles because the ongoing sun exposure, even if you're driving in the car um, the, and you have tinted windows, don't forget that the windscreen still blocks only blocks out 70% of the harmful sun rays. So it's really important that you keep wearing that sunscreen, even with those skin of color uh, every day. And if you're doing some sort of activity that you applied, reapplied every two hours. And the best thing you can do is um, that will not only help with the wrinkles, but it will also help with any pigmentary problems. All right. So that brings us to a really interesting question from Tiffany. And true story here before I pull Tiffany's question up. I used to date a girl who swore up and down that the fact that she would eat a ton of greens every single day made her less susceptible to getting a sunburn. So with that in mind, Tiffany's question is, and this is not my ex, but Tiffany's question is, can eating healthy actually prevent a sunburn? Uh, that's, that's a very, again, uh, a good question to ask because I think it covers a lot of things. So you cannot prevent sunburn if you're sitting outside in full-blown sun, especially in Australia, you can't get away without getting sunburnt. Even someone like myself has definitely been sunburnt uh, at least recently. Um, so this is more about general skin care and how you can, what you can do to reduce the rate of sunburn. And that is by having a diet that's high in antioxidants and uh, green tea, for example, has been shown to be really helpful in, in that. In um, research, they looked at the formation of skin cancers and they found that actually there was a stat statistical difference between individuals that drank a lot more green tea compared to those that didn't. Now, they took into account this type of skin color, where you lived and how much sun exposure you had. So um, I think that was interesting. The other thing that we've recently um, come to light, to me at least, um, this research is definitely not new, has been the uh, topic of alcohol and alcohol increasing the rate of sunburn. Actually, yeah, we have a question uh, about that as well. One from Liz, she wants to know, does drinking alcohol actually make you more likely to get a sunburn? Yeah, so this has um, been something that I brought to attention um, to well, in, in Australia. Um, we've had a lot of discussion about this recently. Uh, and a group of researchers from Japan last year published a study, but it's on a basis of previously older studies that were published in 2014. And it is true. Drinking alcohol does change your behavior, of course. So you may forget to put sunscreen on. You may stay out a lot longer than you realize. So there are some behavioral components. But actually, if you factor those out, 
um, the sense uh, alcohol actually increases the rate at how you burn. And they do that by two mechanisms. So they cause an immune dysregulation in your body. And as a result, the skin can no longer protect you as well from the harmful UV rays. Um, because normally we get a release of uh, carotenoids in the skin that form a, almost like a protective barrier, natural protective barrier against the UV rays. And then it also, with the dysregulation of the immune system, you're now causing these cells to get more damage from the harmful UV rays. And as a result, um, these damaged cells can increase the rate of skin cancer. And in fact, one of the studies showed that by drinking more than one standard drink while you're outside can increase your rate of melanoma by up to 20%. Wow, 20%. And mm. um, yeah, you know what? And I, th I think I saw you um, tw maybe put something up on your Instagram about this too. So um, yeah. did, doesn't it increase by like to 55% if you have five beers? Exactly. So heavy drinkers, watch out. You do have a slightly, a much higher risk of getting a melanoma. The other types of skin cancers like squamous cell carcinomas or basal cell carcinomas, they also increase, but not as much as melanoma. Because as we know, melanoma has, um, it's a it has a complex uh, etiology to it. But uh, one of the components is how much sunburns you've had in your lifetime. Uh, that's something I've always worried about, uh, being fair complected. Um, but good to know that alcohol, um, is something that you're, you're going to want to avoid and that can help you out. Um, so well, yay. at least, at least not have a have a martini or bloody Mary when you're outside on the beach, really think about it, um, have a non-alcoholic drink instead, or really, um, keep, keep it to one standard drink while you're outside in the sun. I want to switch gears, take an interesting question here from John. John is wondering what the connection is between hives and his diet. Maybe he gets them quite a bit and he's wondering, well, is am I allergic to one thing that I'm eating or is it kind of the overall big picture? I'm not eating the healthiest diet. Therefore, my body's kind of freaking out and giving me hives. I, I, I think this is a really interesting question because up until... Uh, few years ago, we really put half, um, uh, some, there was some common causes of hives and then we couldn't find it 70% of the time, we can't actually find a cause for it. And so we uh, term it idiopathic urticaria or idiopathic hives. Um, and often patients will convert into chronic form of it. So it's a quite a debilitating condition. As you know, it, it's quite, it causes a lot of itch and that itch can be quite, um, profound because it can be so widespread it can come and go as it pleases um, and so we've never been really able to find uh, a lot in terms of what the connection is with diet but um, a few years ago research started to come about uh, on the topic of meat allergy which is really interesting because we um, haven't really thought about um, a specific type of a link between hives and diet. So um, they found that if you're bitten by a, a tick, especially in tick-prone areas, um, um, that it can transfer a type of allergen called alpha-gal. It has a longer name, but alpha-gal is a shortened version. And so if you, uh, in these patients, if you eat meat or any other mammalian meat, 
the reaction is a bit delayed. So you t you take it in and normally hives, when you eat something, occurs within 15 minutes. So, you know, yes, there's a link between the diet and your hives. But with this type of allergy, it's often delayed by two hours. So most people can't make that link between what they've eaten and then having the hives. Now, when researchers looked at uh, testing a group of individuals, they found like 20 out of 23 of their patients, so it was still a small study, but found them to have a high level of these antibodies in their system. And when they then got these patients off the mammalian meat and their um, mammalian byproducts such as dairy, they found a complete resolution in their, in their symptoms within a couple of weeks which they had been suffering for a number of years for and no one had really come up with any solution for their condition. So this was a profound effect on the patient's um, system. And till now, those patients have not been reported to have a reoccurrence of their, of their symptoms. But during the study, when they did try to go back onto the mammalian meats and byproducts, their symptoms came back almost immediately. So we know that we through that food challenge that yes, this was uh, the link between their hives and, and mammalian meat. Um, so that's really interesting. True story. Um, back when I was in the throes of my fast food addiction and pretty close to my heaviest weight of 420 pounds twice, I got hives head to toe, literally every single part of my body that you can think of. I had hives and it was just the most uncomfortable thing in the entire world. And they had to put me on steroids just to treat it, to get the hives under control. And I remember going through the first round of it. And as soon as I finished up those, it came right back and they had to put me on a second round. And then for whatever reason, they didn't come back that time. Um, and I wasn't thinking anything about my diet, but you know, just how out of whack my system must, must have been inside at that point. I would think that would have been a major contributing factor to why I was having that, that breakout of hives. Yes, 100%. So hives is an activation of mast cells. So they, we have these immune cells and we all have them. And these mast cells, when they're activated abnormally, release a large amount of um, histamine into your system. And so there are certain, starting to be certain links between things that you eat in your diet and the activation of these mast cells. So I'm really sorry you experienced it, but you know, you, you completely understand that how debilitating this, uh, this rash can be. And, you know, uh, and I think that almost always people are pulling their hair out thinking, what is causing my rash? And, and now we found, okay, there is a link between uh, some types of products in your diet. So meat is one, but actually fish is another one that we've now started to look into. So fish um, usually tends to have a nematode and a lot of individuals that eat uncooked fish or marinated fish tend to develop an allergy to something called asimplex. Now, often that is hard to, to um, monitor or to investigate on a blood test, um, but individuals also that remove those out of their diet, all those products, then also find relief. So um, I think it's an exciting space. And I think I'm going to be really excited to see what more comes out through um, individual products uh, that we eat in our diet that may contribute to hives. But these are kind of the two stronger links that, that certainly research has shown. 
That's funny, though. The fish comes into the conversation when those who are not in the plant-based community, um, the majority of them view fish as being a health food. You know, they know that it's not a hamburger. They think that it's a it's a healthier meat, kind of along the lines of a chicken breast. But here, if it's increasing your risk of, of having dermatological issues, like that's no good. And uh, as we've spoken about previously with Dr. Neil Barnard and other experts, you know, so many other issues that come with it as well. And the, and the last thing, Doc, that I will say about the hives and my experience with it was that um, I remember just being so miserable and my heart goes out to people who, who struggle with this so miserable that I literally, it was in the middle of winter and I drove around with all of my windows down because that freezing cold air would actually help uh, the hives go away. I don't know why that was, um, but as soon as I went back in the house, boom, they were right back. And, um, I'm just grateful that here we are, you know, many years later, I, I haven't struggled with it. I haven't had a hive one since I've been eating a plant-based diet. So knock on wood, they don't come back. And I think Chuck, I'll just add one more thing that the fact that you're eating a whole food plant-based diet really reduces a lot of the processed foods and, you know, in hives, food additives, um, uh, artificial sweetness, they also have been linked to hive generation. So by, by eating the way you're eating or the way I'm eating, I think we've really reduced a number of allergens our body has to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. At that point in my life, if the food wasn't processed, uh, it, it wasn't going to go in my mouth like flat out, like the, the heavier process, the more heavily processed, the better. Just bring on all the garbage. <laughs> Let's pivot here and take a question from Julie. This one, I bet you get quite a bit at your clinic. Julie wants to know what causes dark spots and how can they be removed? So dark spots, um, I think it's a difficult one to answer because it could be a number of different things. So first thing I want to say is if there is a dark spot on your body and it is changing, it's getting bigger, it's getting uh, thicker, it might be changing shape, color or symptomatic, i.e. it's painful or itchy without you actually doing anything, then it's really important that you urgently see a dermatologist to make sure it's not a type of skin cancer. So number one, that. If it then is diagnosed as being a benign lesion, it can be a number of things. So often it is what we call solar lentigenes, which are related to secondary to sun exposure. And often you can see more on your driving side. So in Australia, we sit on one side, in America on the other, um, where the um, slowly over time you get um, uh, these lesions. Now, they're often difficult to treat by using a topical cream, so you often need to get them lasered. But you need the laser in the hands of an expert because you shouldn't laser off moles. If you laser a mole and then it changes, then we don't know if the change happened because of the laser or because it was actually turning into skin cancer. And then you may end up getting a large excision done and having a large scar on your face, perhaps that you didn't really need. So I would always... Um, be cautious and um, uh, ensure that you've seen an expert to uh, give you a proper diagnosis and then a proper treatment for your dark spots. All right, let's grab a question here from Jessica. I'm sure that there are a lot of people wondering about this one as well. Jessica's wondering what foods are good for preventing dry skin? Again, the best thing you can do is 
things you can do topically. So yes, there are certain foods that are really helpful, like omega-3s and flax seeds, which are being shown to increase the hydration and the uh, amount of collagen within your skin. So I really emphasize that you eat tablespoon and a half of those every day, whether it's in a smoothie or in a um, uh, in a porridge um, or just by itself, which I don't think is really that tasty. Um, but if you're wanting to prevent dry skin, then you have to do a few things. So depending on where you live and what sort of climate you're, you're living in, um, you need to reduce the exposure of your skin to uh, heating or um, coolers that emit dry air. So um, I've got one right in the back there that you can see as an example. That is not a good thing to have, but um, so often I find that my skin gets dry during the day. Uh, the other things you can do is not having a hot shower, not having it for too long and using some sort of soap-free wash such as CeraVe, um, you can find in Walgreens. Um, so no dermatologist that I know of uses soap on their body. And then making sure you do, you do moisturize on a regular basis. Often, if you don't suffer from any skin conditions, you can sort of um, find something that you like. But when you are suffering from a skin condition, that it's really important that you have a non-fragrant uh, form of moisturizer. And moisturizers are complex. So you can get lotions, creams, or ointments. And so basically the difference is the amount of contents of water and oil in those. So if you're sort of living in a very dry environment and it's winter, I would go for more the ointment version. If you're living in a hot climate and you may have a lot of hair on your body, I'd go for something from a lotion perspective because that won't clog up your pores. But generally speaking, if you can find a cream that you can put on your body, I would encourage you to do it at least every day. If you can't because you've got a busy lifestyle, then I use a technique called soak and smear which is that you come out of your shower, your body is slightly damp, it's not completely dry yet, and then you find the greasiest moisturizer you've got and lather yourself, wear your oldest pajamas and go to bed. Just lather up in that grease. Just go right ahead. Oh That's man, it. that sounds like a, a, a jolly good time. Um, okay, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, before we wrap up, I want to ask you about eczema and psoriasis. So we were just talking generally about dry skin, but what's the connection between eczema and psoriasis in terms of diet? So um, eczema, there's a lots of different studies and often we have to use studies from the asthma studies because they sometimes have more funding and they see a lot more dietary aspect. Key thing is um, if you're a, a pregnant woman, then it's really important that you really cut out the consumption of red meat and processed meat because that has been shown in many researchers, um, in many research to show the link between eating red meat uh, while you're pregnant and increasing the risk of atopic dermatitis in your offspring. So that's number one. Uh, number two is, yeah, like I said, increasing the amount of fiber in your diet. And then three and four are really um, looking at the um, components of dairy and egg in your diet. Now, these could be hidden in the form of baked goods. Um, and what research has shown that um, even if you're not allergic to those items, you can actually improve your symptoms by cutting those components out of your diet. So if it's uh, something that you're 
looking into, I really strongly encourage that because, you know, as uh, someone that I um, manage quite often, uh, patients that have eczema tend to suffer a lot from mental health because the itch from their condition doesn't allow them to sleep well. And over time that catches up with them. And then the combination of not being able to sleep well, the itch and their debilitating skin condition leads to quite significant mental health issues. Well, Dr. Sharma, you have been so gracious with your time today. And I know that your patients are absolutely lucky to have you uh, working with them on their health. And the fact that, by the way, you've, you, I mean, you've just gone out on the limb and you've opened up the first plant-based clinic in all of Australia. I mean, that taking that leap of faith in itself is commendable in, in my book. And I know that uh, there are a lot of big things uh, still to come for you. I have no doubt uh, that you you have a bright future and your patients uh, are going to reap all the benefits. So uh, greatly appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. As always, Chuck, it's such a pleasure to be on your show. And uh, by the way, uh, you are on Instagram. You're quite the grammar. What's your handle there? It's uh, Dr. Underscore Vegan. Dr. Underscore Vegan. Matter of fact, I remember the last time you were on the show telling you uh, how great of a Instagram name that was. That, that's just still like an all-timer. Uh, so anyway, uh, Dr. Sharma, thank you so very much for being here. Greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Chuck. It's such a pleasure as always. Don't forget that you can join us for the exam room live every Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific over on Facebook and YouTube. That is when experts like Dr. Sharma are there to answer your questions in real time. So I do hope to see you there next week. But if you can't make it live, no worry. You can send me your questions ahead of time as well. Find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Chuck Carroll, WLC. And next week on the show, Dr. Neil Barnard will be back for the live Q&A. So get your questions ready and fill that doctor's mailbag. Speaking of questions, there were a lot of good ones on the program today. Lots of talk about looks. And this is especially poignant given the fact that we are in the throes of award season. It is upon us and celebrities are going to great lengths to sizzle when they step out on the red carpet. Now, Dr. Sharma wasn't saying this, and I'm certainly not implying that going vegan will magically speed up the amount of time it takes to get your hair done or anything like that. But when it comes to wrinkles and having a youthful complexion, you better believe that you're gonna be in pretty good shape here. It's not a cure-all, because if it was, then we'd all be looking all kinds of flawless, right? We're all perfect 10, supermodels strutting our vegan stuff. But you will probably look a lot younger than most of your classmates at your next high school reunion. And really, when you think about it, right, that's about as good as any Oscar or Emmy award ever. You know what I mean? So that could be fun, too. And also coming up on the show, lots of big guests coming up for the month of February. Dr. Kim Williams will be here, Dr. Columbus Batiste as well, Nicolette Richer, and just before the Super Bowl, I am so excited about this, just before the Super Bowl, I will be introducing you to an up-and-coming chef and dietitian who is taking one NFL team by storm. She is turning them on to the powers of plant-based nutrition and here's a hint, 
the team we're talking about was in the playoffs this year, but no, it was not the Tennessee Titans. Stay tuned for that. I cannot wait for that conversation. But before we get there, before we wrap up today, I do have one final favor to ask is if you have not already subscribed to the exam room by the Physicians Committee, please go ahead and do that on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, wherever shows are available. Go ahead, subscribe, and leave that five-star rating before kickoff and pay this health knowledge forward because you never know. While we were talking about beauty today, the knowledge shared tomorrow might just save a life. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to the incredible Dr. Niyati Sharma for being here. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs>